Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan with Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 19 of Little Things for Bonsai People, formerly Bonsai Southeast. And today I'm joined by Carmen Leskovinensky. Leskovinensky. Jesus. All right. See, I tried it. I tried it a moment ago. I went, we, this is not the first time we've tried this today. All right. Anyway, so how are you feeling today, Carmen? Um, I'm all right. My back hurts. I hurt my back, but yeah. it's it's getting better. Hurt your back from lifting bonsai trees, I'm assuming? I don't know. I think so. It was that or making a bed. Maybe oh. both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mean, lifting heavy bonsai trees or trying to put a cover sheet on the bed. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, but yeah, awesome. And then Mike... Uh, cannot join us today because he is still in India. I believe he's on his way back, but uh, he was over there doing a demo workshop, special thing for Mike to go uh, be one of the first American presentation presentators uh, to go do that in India. It's awesome. But anyway, uh, um, today we'll be discussing a seasonal check-in. It's going to be another series kind of thing that we do here with the podcast. Uh, previous episode we did bonsai forms and styles this one's going to be a seasonal checkup seasonal check-in to see what we're doing this time of year to discuss topics related to what what work is appropriate and given the different zones that uh, we're located in so that should be a nice little thing to go through just to get everybody on the same track and see if there's something you might have missed or something you could be doing this time at this time of year before we get started, though, we need to mention our podcast is sponsored by Underhill Bonsai Nursery, Louisiana's premier bonsai nursery, and our amazing patrons are Bonsai Best Buds. We currently have three, so thank you very much, Tori Solis. She's been a best bud for a few weeks. Our two new best buds are Warehouse Rat and Boyd Snellgrove. Thank you so much for being a best bud and supporting the show. If anyone else listening wants to support the show, go ahead, follow us, like us, subscribe to our social accounts. You can follow Evan at Underhill Bonsai on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can sign up for the newsletter at underhillbonsai.com. You can follow Mike at Kitsune Bonsai on Facebook and Instagram. Um, he's also got our merch available per- available for purchase on his website, kitsunebonsai.com. And if you want to follow me, Carmen Leskovianski, I'm one of the co-founders of the Purple Pot Society, and you can check out the National Women's Bonsai Club at purplepotsociety.org. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and my uh, personal bonsai account is on Instagram under Becoming Bonsai. We also have our own merch now, and that's available on uh, Mike's website, kitsunebonsai.com. Uh, let's see. We've got some new t-shirt designs created by friends of ours with the little things logo special shout out to Lee Domingue for creating our newest feature design. It says I went to a bonsai workshop and all I got was this stump. Yeah. <laughs> <Haven't> we all, <laughs> and, uh, you could follow him at Southpaw Nola on Instagram. Uh, but the most important thing you can do to help support our show is listening um, go ahead and subscribe to us on your favorite platform and that'll, that'll take us a long way. So thanks so much for your support. I actually came up here to Portland to hang out with, uh, Michael Hagedorn and Carmen to come do some seasonal, uh, work, I guess you could say there is a yeah. seasonal actually happening, 
but I think it's just, I think it's the jet lag. I'm still feeling a little, little nauseated to be honest, but I think I'm going to be fine. Um, I can see Lou yeah. outside the window. Is that Lou? Yeah. yeah. Wait, outside which window? Where are I, you? I, I No, I can see you on the, on the zoom call. You know oh, that, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're in the same building. We're, we're in different, we're in we're different still, rooms. We're recording in different rooms. <laughs> It's like, what, how did you do that? How did no. you see my husband walking across the yard? Oh, well. Wait, he's, he's just back there. Anyway, yeah. so uh, no, we, we're talking about a seasonal <laughs> seasonal check-in. So we're going to talk about uh, what should we be doing this time of year and why. And I wanted to kind of talk more about the, the uh, specifics of of repotting and soil compositions a little bit, not get too far into being really worried about uh, breaking down like the sciences of, of the soils, but to talk about why we repot and what kind of soil we should use for different types of stock. Um, and then we'll kind of check in and see what each of us are doing. Obviously I'm up here right now uh, and I'll be taking part in uh, some of the seasonal work happening, but we will kind of give you guys a little bit of a, uh, recap or kind of an, uh, what we're going to be doing. Uh, but yeah, so what are we going to be doing this week, Carmen? What's what's a good idea of uh, what we're doing? That's a great question. I would love to tell you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this time of year, uh, I think for almost everybody across the country, we're in repotting season, whether you've started yet or not, really depends on where you are. I know some of the folks down south uh, have already started repotting here in the Pacific Northwest. We've been doing some repotting. Um, I know those folks back east and in Michigan and some of those folks in the snowier parts of the country uh, have another month or so before they really dig into it. But spring is the time for repotting. And so um, that's what we're focusing on this week. Uh, we've been colder than usual in Portland, so we'll be doing some other things too. We can still wire some of our conifers out, so we'll be doing some of that. But yeah, I think let's let's really jump into repotting. Yeah, um, with Southeast, and we're going to be particularly talking about the United States and Central region uh, because obviously in other parts of the world, it's going to be repotting season somewhere else at a different time of year. So... Um, but yeah, for Southeast and in Southeast United States range, we're doing repotting earlier. I actually get a head start in Louisiana. I'm sure Mike, if he wanted to, could repot earlier as well. But we're talking about certain types of species. Um, um, I've, I start repotting some of my deciduous trees, especially whenever they go dormant around probably around early December. I'll even get started then. Oh, and wow. Then that's early. Yeah, because well, and and this is because of volume of mm-hmm. of plants and trees that I have to do, considering mm-hmm. uh, the thousands of trees at the nursery, and I'm not going to get all of them. But right. yeah, um, and then of course we would be looking at our Japanese black pine or other. Well, Japanese black pine kind of falls into their own category, especially for my range. They get repotted around mid February, especially if you lift them from the pot and you see the white roots the white new roots starting to grow on the ends of the tips. Mm-hmm. Um, I know up here in the Pacific Northwest, it's a little bit different with pines. Uh, Cause y'all have white pines. Y'all have the Ponderosa pine. You have, what other pines are available up here? Mm, limber pine, shore pine, 
lodgepole pine, um, red pine. I know somebody with a loblolly. We yeah. get all kinds of pines. That one loblolly that is actually that native. It's native to my range, but yeah. it's like up here and it's the best one I've seen. Uh, but yeah, when do those pines usually get done? Uh, we're doing those now. Um, so we're starting to see, we did a Scots pine a couple of weeks ago. We're starting to see some um, growth on the the root tips as we pull things out of pots. And that's about the time that you want to start doing this. Just, you know, just as things are starting to come out of dormancy. And I, I will make a note here that we've had a particularly cold winter. Um, we're still falling below freezing at night. And so for a lot of folks in the Pacific Northwest, if you don't have a greenhouse or a way to protect your repots, um, I would be waiting. But because we do have a greenhouse that's that we can heat, um, we're able to to go ahead and start that repotting. Once you've got stuff repotted, you really don't want it to freeze, especially all the way through. A light frost is okay, but um, that's something to really take into consideration is what your nighttime temperatures are going to be. Um, but yeah, we're we're doing pines now. We're um, We've done some deciduous. We have not touched junipers yet. It's still too too cold and rainy. We wait till kind of the end of repotting season for those because otherwise they'll just kind of sit and be sulky until, you know, till the weather starts warming up a little bit. So those are last on our list. Um, but yeah, we're doing we're doing the whole range from conifer to deciduous right now. Mm -hmm. And the junipers are different because for us, we don't get a really long, cold, soggy winter uh, like like y'all do up here. So mm -hmm. our junipers usually get done around the same time, uh, like early March, like right now is pretty good for them mm -hmm. because I'm already starting to see some tips extend on them. Uh, oh, wow. I think it yeah. might even be a little too late, uh, honestly, because of how warm we have been this time mm -hmm. around. And I think another thing we need to note, too, is that I noticed that a lot of our listeners are more global as well so we have a good mm -hmm. number of listeners especially i've seen a, a handful of them uh, around the australian like sydney australia area and mm -hmm. i know right now it's like the flip so oh, yeah over totally there. upside down over there yeah and uh i mentioned that earlier when i talked to um to josh Husson over with uh he's got his he's got his own bonsai podcast it's it's really good i i, I mentioned it earlier on it's uh it's the modern bonsai podcast but anyway i remember it being the flip side there but uh mm -hmm. i guess we could kind of describe what trees coming out of dormancy what that time of year really is i guess it's just the and and this is really just like plant science or biology 101 it's like elongation yeah. of the day uh you know nighttime lows are not staying below a certain temperature for certain species anymore so uh for those who are listening outside the country i don't want to kind of confuse y'all too much about that too is uh the the extension of light and uh the nighttime lows really make a difference so yeah that's considering that louisiana and especially for mike and down in florida is a lot closer to the equator so it makes a lot more mm -hmm. sense obviously but uh but pacific northwest kind of especially i guess you can say what the oh i mean is it different um especially if you're like a little bit further east because i know like they um, say it's pretty dry on the other like especially like past where mount rainier is it's like yeah, dry over there too I, I don't know it's pretty arid over there but i don't know what the temperatures are like so a lot of this so in general late winter early spring is repotting but you have to read your climate so if you're which mm -hmm. i think is essentially what we're saying so if you're freezing 
if you're still freezing, you have to be really careful to protect your stuff. And otherwise, um, you can go ahead and still protect it from wind if you can and, you know, extreme ups and downs of temperature. But um, once you're, you know, pretty steadily above freezing, you can you can really dig into it. Um, I know back east, like back east Michigan and the East Coast, a lot of folks don't even start repotting until April, mostly because their stuff is still frozen in the ground, um, hmm. depending on, you know, what their winter weather has been like. So yeah, here that's... I always feel like we're getting a head start. But yeah, it's been a slow, slow winter, spring season for us. That's something to actually kind of bring up. I don't know if we've mentioned that in the uh in the podcast too much that you're from Michigan and you yeah. have a little bit of a different take on that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like with the collection over at the university, Michigan right, university, yeah. when, when does, when does repotting on certain species over there happen? Sure. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I also, um, I used to manage the bonsai collection over at the university of Michigan. I still have a, a connection with the university and, and involved with that collection there while I'm apprenticing here. Um, but I'm from Michigan. I've lived there my whole life until coming out here to to apprentice. And so um, usually we wouldn't start repotting until April, mostly because we keep our trees um, outside in uh, cold frames. So they essentially sit about six feet underground, you know, with a, a roof on them. Um, so they stay kind of at freezing temperature without you know, having to deal with the wind or the extreme temperatures. We've we've moved more to a cold storage system. So it's like an unheated greenhouse. Um, well, there's heaters in there when you need them, but uh, which we keep at about, I don't know, somewhere between 32 and 42. So you can access the trees. We can start repotting a little bit earlier because it doesn't freeze through. So um, nowadays, if you have a, a cool greenhouse and protection, we can start repotting I mean, we could do it now, um, but still, usually it's it's a March, April thing just because that's the trees, you know, haven't really started to break dormancy. Um, it's still snowy and cold. Um, so usually, usually we wait a little bit. Uh, so about the time we're done repotting in the Pacific Northwest is usually when folks back east would start repotting. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one of the things I, I wanted to make sure I hit on because I've heard about cold frame structures mm-hmm. and having having those set up for that reason but i was i've seen other bonsai practitioners post about having to put their trees in cold houses and i was mm-hmm. looking more where, where that range should be uh and that's would you say closer to the, the great lakes i can't remember if it was northern or southern michigan you're talking about yeah i'm in southeast michigan um mm-hmm. when i'm not here uh and so really i mean even across i think a lot of the the central country where they have colder winters like um or it's real flat uh and windy and snowy i think a lot of folks there have to put their trees um uh away some somehow safely to keep them protected so really it depends on on your temperatures we could hmm. do oh we could do a whole episode on winter protection yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that could be come back around for our check-in for yeah, winter. For I mean, winter. this is this is technically spring. This is more of a early spring check-in. Yeah. Um yeah. well, by the time this episode releases, uh just as a note for our listeners, we are we are actually a couple of days back. So, mm-hmm. things could be different. For instance, mm-hmm. um 
in Louisiana, we were 40 degrees. We even got a freeze about two weeks ago. And then right before I flew out, uh, I, it was 80 degrees in the middle of the day and all my trees were starting to open up. And I got really sad because I had to fly away from them while their new, beautiful, delicate, fresh leaves were coming out. I'm going to miss all that first flush, but it's okay. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, Caitlin, my wife, uh, sends me some more pictures. <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah, it, it, it could drastically change. It could be different. So I guess it's mm-hmm. not it's not like we need to put everything on a solid schedule. It's all going to be very right. dependent. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing to note. I wanted to bring up. If you do repot a tree and and then it starts to open up, and when I say open, it starts to butt launch launch buds because it's any kind of root disturbance will tend to kind of it doesn't like wake like poke the bear, it doesn't wake up the like the plant out of dormancy necessarily, but any kind of root disturbance and then a slight amount of uh temperature increase. And a little bit more light exposure will cause that tree to just trigger a little bit, a little bit sooner. And so they will start to open up and begin to move. And in that case, what and they're doing it out here at Cartagus, I'm seeing right now is uh, a lot of the trees are in the cold storage greenhouse mm-hmm. that have been repotted. Even the conifers, even the pines and the and uh, none of the junipers yet, like you said. But yeah, um, either they, they don't need to necessarily be on the ground either. No, they don't have to be on the ground. Um, we just are running out of space. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. Um, yeah, when you got a lot of bonsai and you have, you know, so much space, you kind of just make it happen. But as long as they're covered, uh, like you said, crosswinds is a really good point. Uh, fresh buds that are kind of getting plump, a, a cold crosswind could really fry that bud. So I think this is also a good time to just be looking really intently at the, like giving your your branches close examination to see which buds are starting to swell. This could mm-hmm. also give you an I- a good idea. If you haven't repotted a tree yet, I think a good recommendation too is if you're getting bud swelling and hard pushes in different parts of the tree and not so much, you're getting like lackluster uh, growth on some sections or maybe even die back suddenly, that mm-hmm. might give you a signal to look at during repot, look for root rot, root disease, or any other things that might be happening. Mm-hmm. But that might not also tell you that is exactly related to the roots either. Um, right. There could be something that took over from last year that's now becoming apparent now. So it is, it does, winter does, winter going into spring does seem like a slow season. Um, but then those are things that you can really monitor and keep closer eye on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is um, for us, since it's our repotting season, it's one of our busier times. Um but once we're through repotting, there's a little bit of a lull between that and a lot of our late spring and summer work, which is which is nice. That's a, a great time to keep an eye on things. Um, so let's talk, I guess, a little bit maybe about how to tell when you have to repot something. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So um, first like, experience. Yeah. Uh, from me. On my Mm -hmm. collection, uh, I had um, a couple Mm -hmm. of my elms were just not actually percolating, percolating, Mm -hmm. percolating. It was probably, I probably said that totally wrong. Percolating. Um, There you go. (laughs) Yeah, this, uh, this is actually not a bonsai podcast. It's, it's a secret way to to teach Evan how to say like English words correctly. Um, (laughs) But no, um, I still say weird weird things like, uh, I always, 
like Caitlin gives me a hard time for saying pillow wrong. Mm. I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. Say it like, again. Pillow. Like pillow. Yeah. But I don't know if that's if that's wrong or not. Cause, I think it's fine. Yeah. Well, I think for a little while she she thought it was pillow, like pi- pillow. like a pill. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Pillow. Yeah. Pillow. But but you probably say it like that too, so I wouldn't even I know. Say pillow. Say Hello. Pillow. It's funny. Okay, that's a little silly. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, off off <laughs> okay. topic about All right. about so, pillows. No. Okay, so if your tree's not percolating, if percolating. the water's not going through. Yep, that's one yep. good way to look at it. And mm-hmm. then, let's see. Weaknesses in a tree? Would you would you repot for maybe something like I think lack of vigor, even if it does mm-hmm. drain well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a instance here um, this past week where we've had this tree that drains just fine, but the tree hasn't been growing well. It's discolored. Um, they're just it's just kind of sitting there, not really doing anything. And so we decided to go ahead and repot and see what was going on. And it turns out that probably 50% of the soil or the root mass was, had root rot. Um, so if you have a tree that's, that's really not doing well, um, taking a look at the roots is a great idea, uh, whether or not you actually repot. I know once you have it out of the pot, you can decide what you, what you want to do, but giving it, um, a look, uh, is, is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I think is a little bit different between deciduous and conifers and evergreen material, is that deciduous trees will push to a point where they will clog their roots. Well, they're mm-hmm. not, well, yeah, the, the roots will get clogged in a way that they'll block uh, any kind of uh, aerobic or percolation that could happen in the soil because mm-hmm. of how dense the roots can become. Where it's different with, with like, a conif- like a conifer, the roots, and, and don't get me wrong, um, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, was basically sure. what I'm saying is like, I, I see that conifers don't really put on as much of a root like a coarse root mass as a deciduous mm-hmm. tree is capable of like long running roots mm-hmm. is that is that right to, to assume yeah yeah that's that's generally correct you don't get the same kind of root growth we had a maple that we repotted last week that we had repotted last year as well so it's a young tree it had pushed itself up out of the pot essentially it had so much root on it um so it, it became you know, repotted two years in a row, whereas we have pines that'll sit for, I don't know, five, 10 years sometimes between repots. I, I've heard in Japan sometimes, you know, with a really established tree, it can be even longer. Um, but we have had some issues with drain water drainage um, in a pine. So that can often be caused by just mycorrhizal growth. So that's the the fungus that grows within the roots of the symbiotic relationship with the pine. Sometimes there can just be too much of that and it really makes it difficult for water to go through the pot. So if you have a pine that's not draining well, but it's only been a couple years, oftentimes that's a mycorrhizal issue um, that you, you'll have to, to deal with either by, you know, putting holes through the, through your, your soil mass and backfilling with pumice, or um, we'll sometimes do a fungicide drench just to kind of knock back the mycorrhiza a little bit. Um, hmm. But yeah, the the root mass of a of a pine is much different than a deciduous. You don't usually see you know the circling roots, the pushing up out of its own pot because it has so many roots. It's it's usually if there's a drainage issue, it's a a mycorrhizal problem. Is that me hearing you say that sometimes too much mycorrhiza is not good mycorrhiza? 
correct. Sometimes <laughs> there's just too much. Yeah. If you if you look at the bottom of your of your pot, sometimes you can just see the white of the mycorrhiza just completely covering your drainage hole. And at that point, it's like, okay, this is maybe a little bit much. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. I haven't really I know we, me and you were having conversations about this earlier in the day about mm -hmm. mycorrhiza and whether or not it's there. Should mm -hmm. we try to encourage it to be there? So when we go to repot and we were having to knock off a lot of those excess roots and all that excess mycorrhiza, uh, should should they be scared of getting rid of all that? Is that something? I don't think it's possible. Mm -hmm. And why is that? <laughs> it can. I mean, it can be on a microscopic level. I mean, we can't always see the the parts of the mycorrhiza you see aren't all the parts of the mycorrhiza. So it's very unlikely that you're going to be taking all of that out of the soil, um, even if you completely bare root it. So, I mean, sometimes we'll take, you know, a little bit of the old soil and toss it in with the new soil to, you know, make sure that it gets in there. But with most of the, the pines here um, and a lot of the pines I've seen that have mycorrhiza on the, the soil core, there's there's no need to really be concerned that it it won't transfer over to your new soil it definitely will mm -hmm. yeah the um i think that's just basically saying well yeah you you, you said it uh, in a really good way there and i'm just thinking like there's no need to put additives if it's already present and uh we were also mm -hmm. talking earlier about how if you introduce a certain type of mycorrhiza it might not even be necessarily the right type of mycorrhiza for the soil right yeah exactly i mean certain funguses and mycorrhiza have a you know a symbiotic relationship with certain species and so if you end up putting a you know a mycorrhiza with that you know works with pine in a deciduous pot it's not going to do anything and vice versa so a lot of times what grows naturally in the pot is is what you need and um yeah i personally the personal opinion here um don't don't really see the need to add anything extra to that pot particularly if there's already something there yeah because uh, i've seen different mycorrhiza present in bald cypress versus japanese black pine it does exist but mm -hmm. it looks distinctly different and uh Mm -hmm. And I remember earlier saying like how sometimes you'll mistake the uh, root aphids for mycorrhiza and that. Yeah, that's the other mm. thing to watch out for. So you're looking for root density in some sections, weaknesses in branches, or maybe, or maybe a tree's a little too vigorous. I mean, that could be an issue too. So, and I guess that's kind of one of the things we can, we can talk about too, is like what what's what do we want to do with certain trees at certain ages and certain points of development because you said just a moment ago you had this one mm -hmm. uh maple that that's it was younger and it's pushing roots a lot harder mm -hmm. what stage of development where is that where's that tree at right now like what is it pre-bonsai or is it more developed it's it's pre-bonsai but so it's a young japanese maple um but I will also say that we have a, a very old Japanese maple um, that we repotted last year that needs to be repotted again this year, too. So it's not always about age. I think probably more often than not, your younger trees are going to want to be repotted more frequently. But 
um, that's one of the reasons it's important to go around your your yard and check every tree. And so um, not just is it taking on water or is it strong or is it weak, but we we actually take a sharp chopstick and check the first inch of soil within the edge of the pot. And if you can get your chopstick in fairly easily, you're you're pretty good. And if you can't really get your chopstick into that, you know, where you would the, the repot zone, essentially, um, if it's feeling really tight, if there's a lot of root growth in there, then we'll go ahead and, and give okay. it a repot. Yeah, because sometimes I'll look for roots growing through the bottom, but that might not be. Oh, yeah. That might not always be an indicator. I think also mm-hmm. uh, roots growing through the bottom of a, of a bonsai container might indicate that your soil medium is not aerobic towards the top. Is that that could be, could be. an evaluation? Uh- it because like I've seen in some situations yeah. where a lot of running roots will occur at the bottom, and that means that a lot of water had mm-hmm. gathered there. So if there's um a lot of water accumulating at the bottom of the pot, that usually I'll see the presence of a lot more running roots. Or um like I repotted my Japanese boxwood, and the pot is very just bowl shaped at the bottom. It's a it's it's a it's a nanban or a nanban pot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just naturally the shape of the pot. I've actually found that a lot of times if there's more water at the bottom of the pot, there's not usually as many roots there. Um, but again, being from, you know, the Midwest or the Pacific Northwest, that that could be, and, you know, depending on the species we have, that could just be a, a factor of, you know, where we're at geographically. So I think something to, now that we're kind of going into water and proper drainage, is uh do you ever find yourself fixing bonsai containers if it doesn't have the yeah yes. so like for instance uh one of the things that i do is i always have a drill and a diamond bit do y'all do y'all do that kind of stuff uh drill holes mm-hmm. yeah we past. have uh yeah, always have. keep like a, mm-hmm. a a quarter inch and then also probably roughly about a three quarter inch one for the for like an optimal drainage hole. So the quarter inch one would be for extra tie down holes. And then uh, mm-hmm. something I was shown recently that I found to be just game changing was if you ever get these older bonsai containers in the corners where the feet have been stuck on, you'll see almost sometimes when they're cast, they have a uh, when, I, when, when I'm talking about by cast. When bonsai containers are made, there's there's a couple of different ways that they can be made. They can be hand thrown, they be hand they can be hand built by the ceramic artist, or they can be poured into a cast, uh, in a cast mold that was previously a obviously they had mo- made a mocked up version of the pot, and maybe the cast mold didn't have a part to include where the indentions of the feet are. And so you'll see on the especially on rectangles or ovals, you'll see like where the the inside of the pot dips down, and water can gather there, and make it look like a little pool. Um, mm, and mm-hmm. what I've been shown recently by another, uh, bonsai friend of mine was that she put plumber's epoxy in that space to raise that mm. up. So to make sure mm-hmm. that the, the water doesn't settle there and direct it towards the drain holes. Yeah. And I yeah. was, oh, I was that's like, interesting. wow, yeah, that's a that, great way to do it. That, that helps fix a lot of issues with, with bonsai containers that I've seen in the past, especially old school, mm-hmm. like Chinese pots that I've seen, uh, some people use. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a lot of times that they just don't have enough drainage or the the tie-down holes are in the complete wrong spot. Mm-hmm. Like, just because the, the, the holes are there doesn't mean you have to use yeah. them. <laughs> you can make your own if there's a better configuration for you or if there's not enough. And 
Um, but be sure you use the right tool because otherwise you can break your pot. Yeah. And, and it comes sad. to like certain types of bonsai pots. You can drill holes through any ceramic with a diamond bit, but make sure that when you're drilling, you run a trickle of water so it doesn't overheat and then causes more cracking uh, and more mm-hmm. friction to cause it to bust through um and make sure and this is probably something that you can do if you're drilling holes in pots uh take like a piece of foam and kind of soften the blow especially if there's the feet on the pot are tall and you have a a distance because you coming through Mm -hmm. the bottom of that pot and then slamming onto the table surface or nothing below could cause you just to keep going um and you could just really really uh biff up the whole thing um but if you don't want to drill through a really old pot, in some cases we'll run into like really old pieces of Japanese uh, tokonome or stuff like that, just high value pots. Uh, it, usually the mm-hmm. higher grade, the higher quality of the pot, they should have good drainage, good flat interiors to those pots. So it's not much of a concern, but if you do trust yourself to not mess up that piece of pottery too much and then still make it functional. If it's not a showpiece, something you would just rather keep on a shelf, you know, it's always a good idea to go mm-hmm. through and make sure that that pot meets all those requirements. Um, so yeah. as far as, okay. So we kind of touched on when to repot and then looking mm-hmm. for certain things like mycorrhiza, um, and, and our mm-hmm. little bit of opinion on that. Um, reasons to repot and stuff like that and so Mm -hmm. one of the things that we can kind of talk about a little bit too is like soil and not Mm -hmm. get time to get controversial yeah not not to get too crazy but (laughs) soil disclaimer everyone has their own soil mix that they claim works the best for them Use what works for you. But this is what we do. And and we have good experiences. <laughs> Saying good luck means oh oh thank God <laughs> no, that I didn't it didn't <laughs> yeah. die this time. Thank God the tree that didn't worked. die this time. Good. All right. Now we've had good experiences <laughs> with these soil blends. Early stages of development for some trees, soil's not really that big of a deal. As long as it's good quality soil. Uh, but you can go ahead and use your expensive soil components for something like like younger pre-bonsai. And the differentiation between pre-bonsai stock and bonsai is going to be something that's been grown or aimed towards becoming a specimen bonsai tree versus something that that is that would could be considered bonsai and more mature material. Mm-hmm. And then we we can kind of scale back to develop developing stock stuff that's not pre-bonsite yet stuff that is raw something that might have just been dug out of a grow field just recently or something that was collected from nature could even be a yamadori which kind of falls into its slightly own category uh so Mm -hmm. starting from the very back end of of material underdeveloped raw stock not yet pre-bonsai consideration what kind of soil uh would you use at this point, Carmen? Um, so I probably would not ever go into your standard potting mix. Um, usually for pre-bonsai and even the the young stock, 
um, I like to use something that's really pumice heavy. Um, maybe add some composted manure uh, just for a little bit of an organic component since you can get away with it at that stage if it's in a nursery pot. Um, it's not in a bonsai pot, so you're not going to run into the same issues there. There's good drainage. But um, I like to always go with something like like a pumice, um, a pumice blend of some kind so that because at that stage, even though it doesn't need to be in your um, bonsai mix, it makes it a whole lot easier to develop a tree and uh, work on roots if you're able to get to them. And those kind of real coarse volcanic soils are really easy to work with um, and develop a tree. in. so I like to just kind of stick with pumice or, you know, one of the, one of the bonsai. Yeah. Components. And, uh, and with you saying bonsai soil mix or our general mix, uh, we're yes. referring to pumice, lava, akadama. And I know the akadama part's a little, yes. that's the controversial kind of weird part that we can touch on a little bit, but uh, be, in for well, for a couple of different reasons, but um, but pumice, and we were talking about pumice is even a, a better, like best, you know, worst case scenario, more filler, but also does do a lot for the trees. Um, I've mm -hmm. yeah, pumice is is really good. It's very coarse. There's a lot of airflow. There's a lot of water holding capacity. There's not a lot of there's not as much nutrient holding capacity as something like a an organic material like a potting soil, but if you if you're fertilizing regularly it's yeah. not going to matter so um, much pumice doesn't really break down as easily as kakadama and lava rock doesn't break down mm -hmm. hardly at all right yeah these are mineral soils so they don't have the same organic components when they break down they're going to be more like sand and still contain that really hard particle rather than breaking down into like a mud mm -hmm. and a muck and creating problems yeah. so like mm -hmm. for instance like pulling a tree out of out of a, a grow field is as long as the roots are correct and you don't need to do like a lot of ketchup on that tree i will drop those trees into pumice lava and pine bark and it'll be pine bark mm -hmm. smaller particle pine bark not big clunky stuff mm -hmm. Uh, that works very well. Actually, it works very well for um, when I go bald cypress collecting. We pull our trees out, we properly mm -hmm. work the roots, and then we drop. That, that's a question I get a lot about uh, bald cypress yamadoris. We drop them straight into that mix, into the pumice, lava, and um, and pine bark. And then we're also using a a shell clay product that comes in our our general mix here. Oh, well, I'm saying here back at home uh, currently, but that works fairly well, but it, it is missing that one component of Akadama, which will be more of your mm -hmm. your mix component for developed trees. And mm -hmm. is it is it a good when is a good time to start using Akadama? I think would be right before or maybe right at the pre bonsai stage to get it into the root core. Is that we think about that? Yeah, I think it. it it depends because on some some cuttings that we have that we know we're going to develop from cutting to finished tree, we'll go ahead and use a pumice akadama just from the beginning, just so that the core. So as the tree develops, it develops with that that core of pumice akadama. Um, but I would say if you're working with 
uh, yeah, pre bonsai, I think is a good place to start um, adding in your your akadama, um, and I guess depending on what it's been potted in previously, will kind of determine whether you do like a half bare root and then add your bonsai mix or a full bare root. It, that's all going to depend on what kind of tree you have and um, what soil it was in beforehand, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And one of the things with field collected or like wild collected trees, I've seen in some instances where we'll be doing a partial uh, bare root, especially on like conifers. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. on Yamagori. And I'll mm -hmm. see field soil left over in some of those trees, which I know it sounds kind of kind of weird for some, especially if you're just dealing with exclusively like a nursery grown plant. You're just dealing with that big, clunky, mm -hmm. rotten, breaking down pine bark mixture. And which sometimes is not even that. Sometimes it's uh, peat moss, but sometimes in mm -hmm. collected wild collected materials, see some hard packed clay or just field soil, just random stuff um, in there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. yeah, you don't jump at that straight away. Take all that out. Um, especially with those Correct. older trees like that. So. Yeah. Usually with that collected material, those will get popped into pumice or some kind of pumice mix. And then when they're ready for a repot, um, we'll go ahead and do a partial bare root and slowly work that field soil out. So it may even go into a bonsai pot with still, you know, half field soil. And then the next repot, you just, you remember, or you write down that you have to go back in there and clear out that other half of the root zone or, you know, the other third of the root zone and get that field soil out um, and replace it with the Akadama core. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we could, we could go in further on about, developing fine roots versus coarse roots too i mean i guess that's mm -hmm. that that is something i i would like to mention a little bit is when you're repotting you're looking for finer roots especially getting them down into this into a smaller container or whatever the goal is for the for the container size for the tree so mm -hmm. it and that always varies so much it's very difficult to just tell I, that's yeah. why we can't me and carmen can't sit here and just go, okay, first take the tree out the pot. Now trim off the ex the exterior roots. Now prep your pot and mm -hmm. put the screen in there and tie it down. It's like, no, it, it happens so differently for each species and each time zone, time zone, each each time of the year appropriate for each species given your, your zone. Um, so. Right. And I, yeah, every the answer to every question in bonsai is it depends. Like there's never, a, you have to have all of the factors. You have to know all of the factors that play into it before you can make a decision. But um, but, but back to your uh, soil, how to, how to develop pine oh, roots yeah. versus coarse roots. Um, yeah, so in younger material, um, you know, we're not focus we're just focused on getting it to grow and develop so we use we tend to use like a coarser a coarser mix um but once your tree goes into a bonsai pot you want to be a little bit more careful you want your particles to all be the same size so you know with your pines and your conifers generally you use a larger soil size you sift everything to make sure that you have a consistent particle size um and you know with your deciduous trees and shoheen so small trees you use a, a smaller particle um, 
and that usually that will develop you know finer roots um there's it holds a little bit more water i guess the the conversation about that is what's it mostly is what stage are the trees at um mm-hmm. and yeah. it, like that's a great way to put it is like it depends uh it goes back to what's what's the drainage like in the pot or is there anything going on on top and i, I probably yeah, uh, listeners may have heard me say this before, or maybe I've said this in a, you know, in a presentation before. Someone might have heard me say this, but whatever, whatever you see on the top is a great reflection of what's going on down below. And I think that's kind mm-hmm. of one of my yeah. things. I'm just going to keep keep saying, uh, because as far as I know, right now, based off of, off of my experiences, <laughs> that seems to be mostly true. Um, and mm-hmm. at I think this is another thing to kind of mention really quick is like if a tree is not growing, like if it's not pushing like it was, is it necessarily time to repot? So like if your tree's really kicking it and it's just going and it's growing, you like six inch long flush and you're having to cut it back before it hardens off. Mm-hmm. And then the next year it really slows down. Is that necessarily signal mm-hmm. a repot? Now, it depends on it depends it depends on the stage of your tree i mean if you're if you're in pre-bonsai stage and you're developing a tree and it suddenly stops growing then you have a problem but if you you're going from you know something that was um you know growing really strongly and then it's still growing but you know its inner nodes went from three inches down to an inch sometimes you want that i mean you're assuming that if you've you know pruned the tree now you have more tips so your leaves are going to be smaller right it's your tree's ramifying so it's going to produce um more stuff in more places but it's not going to be as big and you know that could be a sign it's filling up your pot as well with roots which is a good thing um so it's not necessarily a bad thing if your tree i i don't want to say the vigor doesn't the vigor changes a little bit. It's still strong. It's still growing. It's just mm-hmm. growing. I think more so you want to look for even growth over the whole the whole tree. But as you ramify a tree, it's its energy is going to change a little bit. It's not going to, you know, always have those huge mm-hmm. extensions. And it, it could be something about rebalancing the tree when it begins to grow. Yeah, it could be. Re- yeah, yeah. There could just be a weak spot on your tree. Um which is another, you know, this is all another good reason to to check with a chopstick to see, you know, if it's ready for a repot. Um, you can always go in and investigate without having to do a full repot as well if you have to. But um, yeah, a, a huge change in vigor. Mm. Well, uh, other things that happen during this time of the year. Uh, is there any other seasonal work that you can think of off the top of your head? I know this wiring could happen um, on junipers. Yeah, wiring on junipers can happen. I wouldn't do big bends because you could get some cambium slippage, that's, but you could do some fine wiring. Um, I've heard about some yeah. issues with cambium yeah, yeah, slippage yeah. in uh, uh, that uh-huh. I've, I've not personally, but I've I've seen it recently. Yeah, um, and with other bonsai, so cambium slippage. Tell us about cambium mm-hmm. slippage a little bit. So that's when like your your bark kind of when you're wiring and you're doing a big bend, your your bark can kind of come off of your cambium whether you actually see it or not it can really disrupt the the flow of water and nutrients to that branch and it can can kill that branch off so 
I would definitely avoid big bends um, if your junipers are actively growing in the spring, but you could do some fine wiring and we're still doing some, some wiring on our conifers because, you know, things are, um, are still dormant, but we do most of our big, our big bends mm. in the fall, um, especially on the Something juniper. else that can be done this time of year, switching over to a different type of tree, deciduous trees, is that when their buds begin mm-hmm. to swell, is a good time to actually knock back for bud selection. That's a great. Yeah. Yep. It's a good time. Yep. Bud selection. Um, any pruning on a deciduous that you didn't get done in the fall, uh, you won't have as much. Um, so best to prune those deciduous in the fall so that they can, or, you know, so they can develop that another bud to push out in the spring, but you can also prune in the spring during repot. So is it um, better for the fall? from what you've seen or yeah i think it's preferable to do it in the fall just because it gives the tree longer to recreate a new bud but you so can do hard it in the cut spring. back in the fall mm. that's a question mm. it depends yeah <laughs> yeah yeah generally i do a hard cut back i think in the fall uh wait hold on i'm thinking i'm trying to remember no I can't remember. I think we do our hard cuts in the spring. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, hard cuts in the spring, but a lot of the refinement pruning in the fall. But hard cuts in the spring because otherwise it's you have a you have a better chance of an actively growing tree to heal that hard cut and send out a here's another here's another one. Um Japanese maple hard cut in the fall, hard cut in the spring. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not I've, true. From um, my experience, I've seen other bonsai practitioners cut in the spring, hard cut Japanese maple, even mm-hmm. like stump them. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so you've seen that yeah. too. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. I feel like such a bad bonsai person. But, but, but I can't you're remember not when a bad bonsai when person. Because <laughs> whenever we whenever we do a hard cut on a maple, I feel like it's always like, oh, well, we should be doing this in the spring, not right now. Or, oh, we should be doing this in the fall, not right now. But we just do it anyway mm. because we're there. Um, yeah, sometimes decisions so, are kind of just made yeah. on hard cutbacks. Mm-hmm. And that could be for multiple different reasons. But I think as far as keeping it mm-hmm. simple, um, yeah, cut cutting deciduous in the fall is fine. Uh, and preferable mm-hmm. with some species, I guess. And then uh, springtime mm-hmm. for for really making sure that you get the bud placement correct. Um, what's what's something mm-hmm. else that we do this time of year? Uh, are we going to do any? We're not going to do any hard bends on junipers, obviously. That's out of the question. Uh, is there any differences between doing hard bends on junipers versus pine trees? Would that be something? I mean, in general, I try to avoid hard bends in the spring on just because everything. you do run that risk of. Yeah, it's just better to do when the tree yeah. is dormant or going into dormancy. Like here, our conifers are still dormant. So you could do you could do a hard bend now. Um, but usually we do try to yeah. save that for the um, fall. So I guess that's one thing to go back on a little bit is like, um, it's not just mm-hmm. specified the juniper, hard bends on anything. Right. And I, yeah. I guess one of the things, if there's early bud extension, that's you, that's a good time to mm-hmm. 
if you have a species that lignifies a little bit quicker than others, you could probably even get some fine wiring on those earlier pieces. That could help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll sometimes do throw a little bit of wire on a deciduous tree now when we're repotting um, occasionally. Yeah. I've seen in some kind of extreme cases, I'll see like a full restyle. Mm-hmm. And this kind of happens on tropicals. And I'm, I'd like to, to have oh, yeah. Mike vouch for it um, in, a, in a later episode. But uh, I have seen where when their repot time for junipers is actually June, July, uh, when it's warmer, because the mm-hmm. tropicals really like it to be hot, obviously, uh, their length of day and their yeah. temperatures are a lot more, uh, a lot higher requirements. And so I've seen what they would call a top and a bottom br- pruning done at the same time. It's kind of like a, it's kind of a derogatory oh, yeah. t- way to say it, I guess, uh, top and bottom prune mm-hmm. and then and then style. Uh, some of the species can be stronger mm-hmm. for that, but I've seen that happen um, during repotting season for tropicals. But sometimes deciduous, yeah. sometimes on strong species, I have done it with maples, yeah. especially like a trident maple. Yep. You can get away with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But and what about, uh, I guess this is the last question for, is this a seasonal thing for right now? What about carving trees? How do you feel about carving trees this time of year? Um, like if you were to try to do something nifty, like make a hollow or do some, or do something like open cambium up, what do you think? Nah, we usually wait until late spring, summer um, for that because the, then the tree is actively growing and it can heal a little mm-hmm. bit faster. I guess it depends where you are. It's a little bit, it's a little bit cool here to be doing that. Usually, that's something we'd wait on. Alternatively, down in Louisiana, where I'm working on our cypresses and, and maples, I actually do carves into new leaders this time of year. If I have a really strong leader that mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is going to be the top of my tree, I'll I'll do my big mm-hmm. slanted rounded cut. You can see me do that on YouTube videos from the mm-hmm. past three or four years ago now. Um, but that, especially on like a bald cypress, that's that seems to be safe. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any negative. Yeah. I've had like one tree kind of just be like, nope. And like the top died down on it. But that's like the one time, <laughs> but I've carved uh-huh. many a cypress like that. Um, but I've I've talked to uh, to Harry in the past, Harry Harrington, about carving in the summer. Uh-huh. So he has more success. Mm-hmm. He has success with the deciduous carving then. And you agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's when we do most of it. After everything's flushed out and hardened off, we go back and do a summer prune. And this is when we'll do a lot of our bigger cuts. And when we make those big cuts, we can carve them at that time as well. Or we can go back and stubs that we've left, you know, in previous years in the fall or, you know, when it wasn't an optimal mm-hmm. time to prune it, we can go back. We'll go we'll we'll actively go through, shorten those, carve them smooth, mm-hmm. cut paste them um, during that summer yeah. prune. We've had so, really good luck with that. So don't do anything crazy creative over the top with your trees for carving at this time of year. Um, yeah. Wait till you have more time. <laughs> Honestly, we're too busy to do anything besides repot yeah, release. Really, it kind of so. holds off. <laughs> it, it is. It's kind of like a, I, I don't know, almost like an assembly line for me with the cypresses, with the, with the bald cypress. It's like, mm-hmm. do I repot it? No, I'm not repotting it now okay, I'm carving into the new leader. That's kind of how, because the energy is mm-hmm. not being sucked out, sapped out of that tree. So 
I know it sounds contradicting for me to say that, but that's that's how it's done with that species. Makes sense. I've 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 done it that way Mm -hmm. this uh, the whole time I practice bonsai like that. Um, But anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that's a good little a little chunk of information for this season. Um, There's, I -hmm. mean, bonsai never ends. So as we go on, we'll talk more and more about what to do late late spring early summer is definitely like you were just you were just kind of foreshadowing it on there mm-hmm. foreshadow alert we time. might talk about post spring going into summer which becomes an early time um and the effects of mm-hmm. of going from this really awesome spring to sudden like hot death it's kind of <laughs> that's how like it's <laughs> like it's it's like portland and louisiana share that that just like strong, humid, uh-huh. sudden summer wave. And you're like, wait. <laughs> uh, well, ours isn't oh, humid, though. Ours yeah, is dry dried up. Yeah. So good like, luck. y'all's is hot and dry. Yeah. Ours is hot and humid. Uh, summer feels more like winter here because everything just kind of dies and stops. Whereas winter here, at least it's mm, green and rainy. Yeah. We get so hot that we Crazy. go into a summer dormancy, which I think y'all do, too. Yeah. Yeah, lately, especially because it's been so hot these yeah. last couple summer dormancy where like things are not necessarily dropping their well, some deciduous will drop their leaves some do. just out of I mean yeah. Get cranky. Like uh my Primna japonica. Um like shared she shared some cuttings with you on that tree. Um that tree mm-hmm. will grow beautifully in the spring and then come into the summer. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy. And then it like drops more than half its canopy. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, but that, <laughs> yeah, it's species specific stuff. We can talk about a little bit later on. Uh, so let's. Yeah. So now that we've thoroughly confused everyone on oh, how yeah, to yeah. No, this... trees. <laughs> see you next time. This no. is valuable information. <laughs> uh, uh, no, the, uh, the bonsai word of the week. And. Oh, yes. Let's not forget the bonsai word of the week. The bonsai word of the week is tanuki, tanuki. which is a it's a half dog, half raccoon. <laughs> there's this there's this creature in Japan that looks like a raccoon, but it's actually a canine and it's called a tanuki. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's so a real thing. Or is... I've been it's it's mm. it's real. Yes. Um, but in bonsai, it's uh, it's the word for what a it, no, it's graph. another way to politely say your tree to politely is a say. phoenix graph which sometimes graph. is looked down upon and sometimes it's uh-huh. not depending on the, the circumstance or how well done a phoenix graph graft or tanuki is is carried out um mm-hmm. and so just mm-hmm. kind of break that down even further for our, our listeners who are not familiar with either of those uh so you take a piece of dead wood that you think would be a charming bonsai that would have like a driftwood style or a shari, uh, lots of shari. And then you take something like a juniper or a pine. I've seen it done with elms and stuff like that as well. And they'll cut either, either cut a channel into the deadwood uh, or into the driftwood, or they'll, they'll meticulously um, position the other plant in a way to where it appears that that, deadwood or driftwood was part of the tree initially during styling development collection. Um, and Tanuki is a trickster in Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's called that because the creator of a tun- of a Tanuki is trying to fool the viewer into thinking this tree is ancient. And in fact, 
it was an old piece of driftwood or dead wood that they had found and they introduced a younger plant to build branch structure and canopy onto it um and that's what i was saying like sometimes it's looked out upon but if you want to create your own tanukis there's i mean it's your but i've seen really good ones and i've seen really bad ones one thing we need to say so. though even even if it even if it might be considered a bad one, it's still your bonsai garden. It's still your bonsai practice. So yes. create one if you like, experiment all you like. Um, but yeah, it, if it's very clear, then it it's not really fooling anyone. But I don't want to I don't want to be mm-hmm. mean about it. Uh, but no, uh, I have I have seen some tanukis and been like, wow, I I wouldn't even know if you told me. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bonsai Word of the Week, for confusing everyone yet again. And also thank... You just go hug a tanuki. Oh, don't hug a tanuki. I, I think the ant... The, the... Don't hug a tanuki. Yeah, that's what the internet said. Google said, don't hug the raccoon. No, uh, I would like to thank the raccoon that, that Carmen uh, nicknamed tanuki recently. Uh, There's a tanuki that lives in the garden. Yeah, he's, he's been visiting uh, for the past week now. And... <laughs> it's yeah. becoming a problem but, uh, but no he is cute he's, <laughs> it's very interesting i've never seen a raccoon just like walk straight up to me and like look me in the eyes mm-hmm. and you'd be like oh no it's gonna growl at me <laughs> he wants he wants to know if you have snacks in your pocket oh yeah he's he's doing those things that raccoons do with their hands like where they rub them together <laughs> oh so creepy so creepy like... yeah so he he's inspired yeah. our word of the week yeah thank you thank Tanuki you the Tanuki. raccoon uh you're not a dog thing you're just a raccoon but but anyway yeah anyway that's that's all that's the little things uh but yeah as we always say it's the little things <laughs> little things for bonsai um for bonsai people not little you know not just the little things in life so <laughs> but yeah uh um but okay. we will talk all to right. you guys okay. next time uh, i think <laughs> i think for the next episode we'll be joined back with mike yeah we'll put mike in charge Mike's going to be like, he's going to listen back to the last episodes. We can't be left to our yeah, He's going to be like, what have own. I done? He's like, I'm never touring India. Oh my God. Because, well, no, he'll probably go back to India in a heartbeat. But he's like, I'm not going. Yeah, he just won't he's let like, us I'm not record going on a long without him. Trip without you guys. No, uh, oh yeah, we, we could do that. We could, yeah, yeah, no, no. Okay, no. let's go. <laughs> we'll all go. Maybe. Anyway. Okay. But no, uh, no, he, <laughs> we, I think when he comes back, we're going to have. We're gonna have a special, another special guest. We had uh, David, David, De, uh, oh yes, the Grout like, last time. Um, if y'all haven't heard that mm-hmm. one, it's gonna be two episodes ago. So that's mm-hmm. an awesome episode. Go check it out. Very knowledgeable, very awesome bonsai uh, curator. Uh, lots of years of experience. But our next one, we will have another guest next uh, next episode. We've got a special guest yes. coming up next. Now time. let's let's sign out before we get too uh too more too more tired to record more episode. All right, so <laughs> too late. So thanks for hanging out, Carmen. Um, we're gonna go work on some bonsai here at uh, the Cartagus Bonsai Garden this week, and you'll see some of that posted on mm-hmm. our social media accounts. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, definitely follow us uh, for Carmen and Evan <laughs> updates. Um, you can follow me at. <laughs> at becoming bonsai on instagram and evan at yep. under and you'll bonsai. see those there all right thank you guys y'all have a good one we'll see y'all next time bye